I don't know if you noticed, but it's totally Monday right now, and we're coming off a big weekend. We're coming into a huge week, and we got a couple little things to talk about, like Amazon delivering packages from your local shopping mall. Everywhere I go, the people really want to know. Remember shopping malls? <laughs> Remember when you were a one time when <laughs> and what the shopping mall represented when you were a teenager? When like all liberty was gained. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. That was that was literally like teenagers today have zero idea what that is. Zero. I, I don't know. OK, so I don't know. It just depends on what area of the country and what your teenagers are doing, because I still see a lot of like pictures at the mall, pictures at the maybe like the outdoor shopping mall. Maybe there's like a transition to like the outlet feel. But there's still a lot of teenagers getting that experience. I'm just going to throw it out there. Just throwing it out. Outdoor shopping mall. <laughs> what you're like we don't do outdoor shopping People have no sh- that sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea well i just got back from minnesota where in minneapolis where there are literally tunnels that connect the hotels because it's yes, so cold it's it's so stuff. freezing yes but it wasn't exactly. that cold it wasn't that cold but you know we, we digress already like talk about starting monday off <laughs> with, with a total- look when when you haven't been in the office together for well two days at the end of the week and then the weekend and it's like we just have a lot to, of catching up to do so you're just gonna get like welcome to monday with paul and kyle when we haven't really talked for five days <laughs> and, and he really means that because i walked in this morning and i i had some things here at the office like a conversation i need to have i came in i logged in and it was basically like you guys ready we haven't talked at all since what was it uh thursday night thursday afternoon thursday morning yeah something like that yeah Yeah. whatever all right so um we have a lot of fun things to talk about today um we're gonna let's let's talk about the collaborators first let's just get this out yes yeah i'm really excited because we had this kind of switch was it thursday or wednesday we had this thought when we were talking about a Sudokan and obviously we started talking about it last week. And so uh, if you're hearing this energy and you're like, what do I do? How do I get a hold of this? We've got a really crappy landing page because we threw it up because we own a domain now. So if you want to be at the forefront of the news, you can go to a Sudokan.com, fill in your little information. You'll be the first to get information when we have more. But we were also starting to talk about, you know, partners that come along aside an event, right? And uh, depending on what event you go to, you've got, you know, industry partners or OEMs or uh, large conglomerates paying money to make sure that the thing happens. Right. And historically, what happens is it's just kind of, you know, drop some money in and then your name gets somewhere, your logo gets somewhere and maybe you get, you know, a seat drop or something like that. Mm -hmm. But we started talking about what if all of those people and those companies were actually engaged in collaborating to make sure the event went well. Like yes, there was actually a participatory engagement that said, I have some skin in the game to make sure that the whole thing feels really good for all of the participants. And so we're yep. like, yep. shoot, we should call them collaborators. Absolutely. Right? It's like how we need to reinvent, not even reinvent it, but it's redefined. And sometimes a redefinition of a word, right? And recontextualizing right. the expectation on both sides, right? As an event, right, our expectation is that you are going to be a participant, right, in the forming of the programming, in the activation, right? We're heading into this with an activation mindset, not a sponsorship mindset. And with that being said, right, even the language. So we're like, you know what? Partnership industry partner is, as far as we're concerned, is dead. (laughs) You know, what's interesting about this? 
Yeah, a, a lot of people would be like semantics, you know, tomato, tomato type thing. Nope. And I think our words are so important. I've written actually last year, I remember a couple LinkedIn posts that I wrote about this. And your words are so important no matter what you're doing in business. You know, we actually we had a conversation with uh, Liza Myers Borches, who is um, an Asoto investor. And she was very particular about, we kept calling her, her team employees. And she said, no, no, no. The word we use is associates because it means something to the way that we relate to those people. Mm -hmm. And I think just being so particular with your words, especially in business or in the way you relate and collaborate in business or with customers, you know, whether you call them customers or clients impacts the way that you engage with people. And so just we're going to choose our words wisely. And so we encourage you to as well. Yeah, I have a suggestion for our attendees too that I'll share with you later. Oh, but oh, I, love it. <laughs> I was thinking about it over here. I was like, oh, wait, we have collaborators and we'll tell you that later. But um, so I just got back from, <laughs> I just got back from four days in Minneapolis, Minnesota at something called VCon. If you follow me on social, you've probably seen a lot of like, what the freak is he doing right now? Right. right. Where is he at? He's like with stuffed <laughs> animals and there seems to be like, you know, it's <laughs> and there's Logan Paul. Right? Like what in the world is going, if you're watching the video, like there's some cornhole and some like baseball MLB activations, but here's the deal. VCon is put on by Gary Vaynerchuk, entrepreneur, um, you know, marketing agency, wine guy, social media guy. Like, I don't know what name you're going to put him. Look him up if you don't know who he is. But this is basically the most collaborative and progressive Web3 conference that ever existed. And there haven't been many that existed because it's fairly new technology. Um, so we just wanted to give you a quick roundup of that. I wanted to tell you like just a, just a couple of minutes to kind of sum it up and tell you why it matters to retail automotive. So if you don't know, Web3 is actually like blockchain technology. It's an internet, a web-based experience based on blockchain and crypto and NFTs. And if, if again, that seems even a little confusing, we'll back it up. Web1 was like, hey, look, you can have a website, right? You can go and absorb information from the internet. And then you could maybe log into some bulletin boards and things like that. And then Web2 comes along and Web2 was social media. Like Facebook, remember when it was like, oh, all of a sudden more people use the internet to get on Facebook than they do for like the rest of the internet, right? And this whole yes. migration of this social media integration and the way we function, the way we buy things, the way we use things. Well, that was Web 2. Web 3 is this new era of a blockchain-based internet experience. And at the center of the principle of Web 3 is the idea of custody. You own your stuff. And you can take your stuff with you to the next thing that you want or the next site or the next experience. Like right now, well, I, I think it's really and, and this is where a lot of people think that it's something altogether different. But if you think about Web 1 as like display of information, right, mm -hmm. that accessibility for levels of information that we've never had before. Web 2 is interconnectivity of personalities and profiles, right, is, hey, there are people actually accessing this information and they're connected in some way. Mm -hmm. And then the, the third layer of that is validation, of that information and the interconnectivity of people and making sure that it has a central source of truth. And I think that's, that's just a different way of explaining what you just said. But yeah, I think a lot of people get in their head of like, I don't even understand this whole new thing. And really what it is, is just a continuation of the information and interconnectivity in, in a more authenticated nature. Well, there's, there's another nuance that's super, super uh, different, 
right? It's, it's this element of custody. And I, I listened to the Ledger CEO. Sure. Uh, Ledger is a company that basically uh, developing technology around the wallet, quote unquote, that you keep your stuff in. And they have hardware and software devices. So um, Ian Rogers, who is the chief experience officer, which is really CEO, like chief executive officer as well. He's a former Apple guy. He's a brand guy. So you can expect he'd be a little bit uh, more... Um, 360 thinking about how you how you interact with Ledger. Um, you know he's got just experience with luxury brands. Um, he's the guy that like brought digital music to the forefront, like with Yahoo first, and then with Beats, and then Apple Music. So the guy understands the consumer dynamic of. I mean, even if you think about ownership, it wasn't that long ago when if you wanted to listen to the new Kendrick Lamar album, you had to pay Apple nine ninety nine to get it and download it right. to your device where you could listen to it on your device. Right now, it's like, I just went to Spotify and streamed it. It wasn't that long ago that we were paying 10 bucks for that. And that was like a groundbreaking thing. And just not too long before that, it was like you had to have the album, put it in your computer, upload it into iTunes, so then you could get it on your device. So all of a sudden, so he was talking about this element Crazy. of custom, and now we're owning it. And I'm realizing right now, like there's going to be so much more to talk about this. We can't possibly do it now. But here's the punchline. Companies like Time Magazine are in on this. It is going to change the way we interact with the world. And being around, you know, when you get around other people, I got outside automotive and I, and I said, by the way, just saw how you should really do an event to keep people engaged. We're going to be bringing all, all of that ruckus, number one. But, but secondly, you realize this is the very forefront of it and it will be mass adopted at this point. And you can watch web one and web two transactions and adoption curves. And we're right in the middle of the beginning of it. Um, and mm -hmm. so the takeaway is, look, it's not, you have to pay attention to it. I'm more convicted than ever that a Sodu myself, like we're going to be convicted to educate you on this because people that have educated me all of a sudden, my mind is open to all these new opportunities in what I do and it should for yeah. you in retail automotive, but you have to learn about it first, but it's not going to solve our problems today in retail automotive, but Look, it was at one well, point ridiculous thinking you were going to take not put a car in the newspaper and instead put it on a website. Yeah, I think I think that that's the key takeaway for me is the education right now is the most important thing. Activity in Web3 is not absolutely necessary for all retailers or all businesses, but having a level of education so that when full scale adoption is, uh, you know, is like at scale and available to people that maybe aren't super in depth or technological or technical technical um, mm. that you already have some sort of learning or research along the ideas. And so I think that that's the big takeaway for me is like continue to stay curious in this. It, yeah, this is going to be far. And let me just tell you, this is going to be far beyond some transactional level of of right. integration. Right. This is not about. Just, oh, well, like the car's, you know, title will be on an NFT. Like, yeah, that will be the case. And your license will sure. be an NFT. And I'm sure the DMV will find the slowest way to do it, even with an NFT. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> they will. They'll build it on like Ethereum 1 or something. We made it. Right, yeah. Um, but, but the reality is there is a community building element to NFTs and cryptocurrency that it, it's just only a few people understand right now. But I'm telling you, this is going to be how you build community and exclusivity around your dealership, around your brand, if you're an industry partner. Um, and there's a lot more coming. So just, you heard it here first, folks, right? But we're gonna, we're gonna really take it upon ourselves. We've been talking about this, Kyle. I mean, how long about doing some education around NFTs for months, yeah. right? This is, I think, the, the spark that's gonna light the fire. So um, enough about VCon. Um, you can go see a little bit of a, actually, we're gonna do a whole, we're gonna do a whole recap on it so you can actually read it, see it, like take a second to understand it. I don't have a speaking yeah, yeah. 
Speaking of rare items. Segway. Time. All right. This was so cool to me. So Mercedes-Benz last week announced that they sold an extremely rare vehicle. It's got 300 SLR. And I look, and I'm going to say this next word. (laughs) Ulanote Coupe. Ulanhout. Yeah, I don't know. You, you got to get the law in the gravelly voice to say it, right? Um, so of of this vehicle, there were only two prototypes ever made. And uh, the, the company sold one of them and they sold it to a rare car collector for 135 million euros. That's $143 million. And the whole, yeah, what? So most expensive car ever sold, right? I was like, I, was um, like, I know he's going to say thousand. But could it be <laughs> million? Okay. It's just a ton of money. Um, but what's really cool about it, and, you know, all of that, you can go look at, we've got linked in the show notes, like, you know, the whole history of the car. Isaac, did, you uh, put the and, up yet? did I miss it? Oh, yeah. there it is. There look it at is. That. So, you know, it's just, it's just like wingback car and it's just really unique and, and engaging. And there was a lot of new things that they were doing uh, with the actual model. And if you click in the show notes, you can read all of the history. The designer, the person who created the car um, was just extremely innovative and forward thinking for his time. And this is what I love is they took that passion, that desire from the originator of this vehicle and put it into what they're going to do with the money, which is their desire is to support a, a, a younger generation learning about environmental uh, environmental science and decarbonization. So they're going, hey, look, we, we've always been this innovative company. We're now going to turn that into charitable efforts and then move that charitable effort into being innovative in a whole new ecosystem of EV, EV technology. Genius. Yeah, because they're tying they're tying their charity to some level of we've been saying the word a lot, some level of activation, right? It's not yep. just empty dollars, it's not a check and a photo op. It's actually a thoughtful activation of something you can contribute that's very much on brand for you, right? Very yes. much on brand for Mercedes, but then recontextualizing it to move it forward. So, uh bravo on that. We're big fans of that and you know, we believe that auto dealers all over the country have this very same opportunity, well, not very yeah. same but the same opportunity to have that car. There's only two. Um, <laughs> the one. No, but there's, there's a very clear opportunity to take the things that you're already giving to your community and, and activating it, right? Not just empty dollars, not just yes. a check and a photo op um, because you know, the real needs of the community, right? You see the people every day, they walk in and out of your stores, your team members, they work in the community. They have families that play soccer. Like you got it. You understand what's going on. So how can you meaningfully and uh, intentionally activate those dollars to actually make much more impact than just the dollar itself? It takes a little thought, takes a little effort, yes. but it's worth it. It's not only the right thing to do, but it's also worth it. Yeah, and it's more fun that way. When you connect people yeah. to, to the dollars or, or intentionality around the dollars, the story builds itself within your team and within your community a lot quicker yeah. than just like, yeah, we ship some money over to this nonprofit. Right. It's it, it, it sucks because like a lot of the benefits in at first are qualitative benefits and not quantitative. Right. Yes. You can't count your, your cost per car isn't going to go down that month. <laughs> because you did this, Right. But but what it's going to light and fire in your team and what that translates to in the sales experience, what that translates to in a qualitative experience, um, you know, 
takes a little vision. Isn't it funny that the things that are most worth it take a little bit of vision and some work? It smells a lot like hard work, Kyle. I don't know if I'm in for this. <laughs> Look, All right. One, one final story for you this morning. Get out of here. <laughs> one final. We teased this at the beginning. I wish we had like 20 minutes to talk about this because it's so exciting. Maybe, maybe we'll like spill this over. <laughs> I don't think it's a spillover, but still. <laughs> but coming back to the mall, right? Amazon is testing shopping malls as basically delivery hubs to get their packages sick. <laughs> the gifts that they—you gotta watch the show to get the gift. I think we have Nick Nolte in some kind of strange laugh cycle. Uh, but Amazon is testing shopping malls as a base to deliver packages from using its flex drivers. So that's flex drivers are not like the uniformed Amazon drivers. You might see it's more like Uber right. Lyft, right? It's like an on-demand drivers use their own vehicles. They will pick up packages and deliver them directly to consumers, but they're going to be picking up the packages from individual stores inside the shopping mall instead of having to drive to the Amazon delivery center hub and go get it. How about that? I here's here's what's weird. Okay, so I get it from it's like there's just weird. a lot of space, right? There's a lot of space at the shopping mall, so storage is obviously an issue. And if and if you're trying to build storage facilities, you're you know like that's a major expense. So you do have a space consideration, but it's not like there's you know 20 shopping malls in a city, like in Nashville. There's always really well located. Do you think so? In Nashville, they are hard to get to. They're annoying to get in and out of. Tell me one thing that's easy to get to in Nashville. Oh, fair. Fair. The taco truck. (laughs) The taco truck is super easy. Ten years ago. Literally, all of them have four entrances, but they're all always congested. And there it's it doesn't seem like the easiest to be able to go in through like the other entrances. You know what I mean? Like where the vendors go in and get deliveries, you know, they have all this back hallways and corridors. Like, I don't know. I, I think right. about it. Like they, they, they do have the space, right? But they also don't have the traffic and they have a lot of struggling businesses inside. But the bottom line right, is right. Amazon's just trying to take over the world. And this is just logistically speaking. They were like, hey, let's try this. Right. We have mom and pop shops who well, get paid to take deliveries of packages and then just pass them off. Right. So they yep. can win. Um, that last mile can be faster, right? Drone delivery was going to be a thing like in 2014. Bezos is like, oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get things there in 30 minutes. But actually, they're getting things there really quickly right now without drones because of things like this. And basically, I don't know if you've ever seen an Amazon driver. They don't look happy. They look like they look like there's a robot behind the eyes. They never have the same route twice. Whenever they show up to my house, my dogs freak the crap out of them, right? Our UPS driver's like, yo, what's up, Rambo? It's one of my dog's name. But, but all that to say, like, Amazon is just constantly tweaking, right? They're constantly trying. I mean, well, I, I think mean, that 2,000 more delivery centers across the U.S. that are fully, fully built and don't have many people in them. It's like prime opportunity for just, you know, a, a closer location to some more people. Yeah. It's, which, it's which, literally, this is what's crazy. It's the Lithia strategy. It's yes. the Asbury strategy. Buy more places, buy more brick and mortar places in more spaces so that you can be closer to the customer. Now, yeah. then it's even more expansive. It's the OEM strategy. You know, yeah. put more delivery centers closer to people so that I can get my cars there in a last in a last mile engagement. The, every industry is recognizing that being closest to the customer from a delivery perspective 
is the way you win because the more digital the more transactions go digital the closer you have to be to the customer to make the delivery experience quicker look amazon doesn't get it right every time we know this you're not going to get it right every time we know this but the point is that we keep trying new things because sooner or later we're going to get it right Goodbye.